Welcome to the Oceans Church Podcast. We pray that as you join us for this message, you are blessed, encouraged and empowered to bring the kingdom of heaven into your spheres of life. Yes, awesome. So that's great. Hey, Academy, I I just want to encourage you. Um, This morning, I just thought of Moses um, during the promotion of Academy. And you know, when Moses saw the burning bush, he was 80 years old, looking after his father-in-law's sheep in the desert. He's like, what hope have I got apart from hanging out with these sheep for the rest of my life? And then he saw a burning bush and the bush wasn't consumed. And so the Bible says that rather than just going, oh, that's interesting, and then walking away, he had, the Bible says that he took a closer look. And when he took a closer look, then it's there that God spoke to him and changed his entire destiny at 80 years old, he was just getting started. When others might have written his life off, he might have written his life off. Can I just encourage you, if the Spirit of God is just stirring up your heart a bit around this idea of doing academy, to not write it off, not walk past it, but maybe actually just take the time to take a closer look. Whether you're young in age or young in heart and kind of closer to Moses' end of things, do not write yourself off because it's never too early It's never too late to say yes to the call of God in your life. And so can I just put that out there? We would love to have a chat with you. And I can can tell you what, these principles and things that you learn with giving this year to God, you never miss out because these actually feed back into your work life. They feed back into your family. And you're actually helping to set a foundation of a lifetime of fruitfulness, um, not only within the church, but also in your life. So can I encourage you to consider doing Academy? It'll be absolutely Brilliant. I'm very, very excited about next year, which will be awesome. So we are in the first week of our new series, The End Times. Everyone give me a ghost sound. The End Times. Next year, we actually have Chris Adams, who's going to be speaking. He's, um, sorry, I did I say next year? We're getting towards the end. You were saying next year. You heard it first at Oceans. I spoke about next year already. Um, but Chris Adams is going to be speaking next week. He's an incredible um, speaker. As we know, he's like a Bible scholar. He actually has been a missionary for like 20, 25 years with Youth with a Mission. He's actually a Bible translator, helping to translate the Bible from indigenous languages, I mean, from English or uh, in, in, from the original into indigenous languages so they can read the language, the Bible in their own language, including indigenous languages around Australia, which is incredible. And so if you have any Bible questions, you ask him. And so I always check with him, am I right? Am I right, Chris? He's like, yep, you're all right. I'm like, thank you, Lord. So he'll clean up the mess that I make this week. It'll be fantastic. But I'm going to open this series by talking about my CrossFit experience. I always find a way to incorporate that into my messages. I've just attempted to get fit over the last few months. And the thing is with CrossFit, right, they have this board at the beginning of every workout that gives you the detail of the kind of exercises that you're going to have. But they speak in a different language, just like wherever you go, there's all kinds of different languages and vernacular. Like at church, you have certain church languages in your workplace. And they had this whole lingo thing happening. And I'm like, oh, what does that mean? Anyway, I remember when I first started CrossFit, it was like, good, three rounds of these certain groups of exercise. So I'm like, all right, I get myself ready and I'm going to pace myself. And it is full on, isn't it, Mel? Mel's an ex-friend and same with Veronica. And I'm like pacing myself. I'm ready to go. I do these three rounds. I nearly die. I'm exhausted. And finally, I get up. I'm like, I made it. 
And then I look around and I'm like, oh my goodness, I've miscalculated the rounds. I didn't read the signs accurately and I didn't pace myself and I'm just shattered about halfway through actually the amount of rounds that I needed to do. But since then, I've been able to read the signs more accurately and discern and I'm able to pace myself a bit better. So I almost die rather than actually dying and it's awesome, praise Jesus. And this is the principle, I always do better when I've got the end target in mind. Like, what am I aiming for? And it's the same principle applies to almost any area of life. We always do better and have increased effectiveness and fruitfulness when we begin or we live with the end in mind. What is the target? Because we can pace ourselves, we can discipline ourselves, we can um, drop our focus on the unimportant and we can begin to focus on what is important. And so that's what this series is all about. It's about how do we live our life here with the end in mind. And the end that we're talking about in this series is something that is known as the end times. If you're new to church or new to faith, this is called the end times, which could probably be summed up with five simple words that Jesus spoke. The last word recorded that Jesus spoke in the book of Revelations is this. He said, look, that word look, other translations say, behold, behold, perceive, understand with spiritual perception. Jesus like, come on, take note, I am coming soon. This is what we're talking about. And end times is the time leading up to Jesus' return and what's going to happen on his return and what happens after his return because make no mistake, he is coming. And so the good thing is that God hasn't kept us in the dark when it comes to the end times, but he's actually revealed what the end times will look like, not to scare us, but to prepare us. As much as scary as that video was, um, it's not, not going to be as scary as that. And so some people can get either freaked out about end times, they can get overly zealous about end times, or completely ignore it. I'm sorry, but some of you might be upset because we're not going to address things like, is Russia really Magog? And is it really going to, you know, all interpreting world events, etc. I'm sorry, we're not going to be reading the tea leaves this series at least. But what we are going to focus on is what is the disposition, what's the attitude that we should be living with like today when we consider the end times. And Jesus actually sums up the attitude we should have regarding this topic when Jesus was actually talking about the signs that would indicate that his return is drawing near, when his return is imminent. Jesus is in this dialogue or monologue talking about all kinds of different signs that will, will point to the fact that his return is drawing near. But then what he said is not this. He didn't say, when you see these signs begin to happen, freak out, go crazy, panic, run wild, move to a commune in a desert or something. But actually he said the opposite. Luke 21, 28, he recorded, Jesus said, when these things begin to take place, these signs and some end times signs are actually taking place in the world at the moment. You can research that yourself. Amen. But when these things begin to take place, what did he say? He said to stand up, be present where you are, lift up your heads with hope and expectation for the future because your redemption is drawing near. This is the disposition God wants us to take into the end times. And just to give you a bit of a taste tester, a window into what it will be like when our redemption not only draws near, but actually arrives. In the book of Revelations, 
it's recorded what it will be like. This is like a window into the future. It says, look, again that word, behold, God's home is now among his people. He will live with them and they will be his people. God himself will be with them. And that, that is crazy. God will be among his people, among us. And this is what he's going to do. This is what the world's going to be like. He will wipe every tear from their eyes and there will be no more death. We're seeing a lot of death around the world right now, aren't we? There will be no more death. There will be no more sorrow. There will be no more crying. And all the parents said, amen. Or pain. That means no neurofin. <laughs> no neurofin in heaven. No chemists in heaven. No big farmer in heaven. <laughs> all these things are gone forever. Come on, no more war, no more famine, no more domestic violence, no more heartache, no more COVID, no more cancer, no more traffic jams, like today on the way out from Albany, no more Collingwood supporters, amen, no, no, they will, some of them will make it to heaven. And then Jesus says this, right, about heaven, that's a really good picture, some of us can go, yeah, but that's for the holy people, but God wants to emphasize there is room for everyone, this is what Jesus said. He said, there is more than enough room in my father's home. If this were not so, would I have told you that I'm going to prepare a place for you? You know that right now in the gap time from when Jesus ascended to heaven and when he's going to return one day in that gap time, he's preparing a place for you and I to live in eternity with him. This is what Jesus is doing. And he says, when everything is ready, I will come and get you so that you will always be with me where I am. And so this is the heart motive of God. If you want to know his agenda, there it is, all laid out before you. The agenda of God is he loves you and he simply wants you and I to be with him forever. In an awesome place where you don't turn on the telly and you see all kinds of wars going on. And so Jesus invites us to stand up, lift up our heads with confident hope and expectation of the future this is the state that Jesus wants us to live with. So in this series, we're going to be looking at different aspects of the end times with the aim that it will cause us to stand up, look up, and make the most of this life, this moment that we are in as we live with the end in mind. And so this week, I'm going to focus on a particular team that I'm going to introduce with an event that happened when I was a teenager. But before that, I would love just to pray and ask that God would just speak to us. That we're just like ready ourselves. Say, God, would you speak to me? Because I actually really believe and I know that, that Jesus is going to interrupt your life in a very inconvenient way during this series. Some of you are actually going to shift course. You're going to change course. Your life's going to be interrupted. As you, as you surrender your life to Jesus, for some of you, your life is going to land back where it is. Some, there's going to be some changes. Some other dramatic changes, and, but it's exciting. And so I'd love to invite you, come on. Let's say, God, speak to me. Speak to me. And, and tonight, if you don't know God, then just say, all right, God, if you're real, try me. You know, just let's, let's see. Let's go. And so why don't you join me as I pray. And so, God, I thank you so much that it's no accident that anyone is here or with us in line right now, God. And so, Lord, we open up our hearts. Would you speak to us, Jesus? Would you cause us to lift up our heads, to stand up, to be present where we are, God? And I thank you, Lord, that you want to shift and change things in us. And we just say, have your way, Holy Spirit. 
I pray for your anointing on me, on Chris next week, on other speakers, Lord, as you speak to us during this series. We say, have your way in us, in Jesus' name. And we all said, amen. Amen. All right, so we're going back a a couple of years ago, 20, 25 years ago, to when I was about year nine or 10. And I was on my pamphlet delivery round. I'd fold pamphlets watching Family Matters and Home um, Improvement. Um, Anyone remember Family Matters and Home Improvement? Thank you. Folding pamphlets on Friday night to deliver them on Saturday. And one time I was delivering 250 pamphlets in the back of my backpack and it was heavy and it was very hilly in Albany. I was up on the hill about to start my pamphlet round. It was about dusk. I delayed it for a little while and I looked up at that moment and noticed the moon had turned red. And I thought, oh my goodness, I'm aware one of the signs that Jesus' return is imminent is that the moon turns blood red. And I was like, that's blood red enough for me. And something came over me and I was like, Jesus is coming. And my immediate thought for some reason was, I've got to see mum before Jesus comes back. And so, I know, isn't that nice? And so what I did, this next bit is maybe not nice, don't judge me. So I got all my pamphlets and I'm like, people don't need these Coles vouchers anymore. I dumped all my pamphlets into the bush just to like shed the weight off myself so I could just focus and get home. And so I made a beeline home on my bike and 15 minutes later when I finally got home and I bet Jesus home. But by then the hue of the moon had turned more to an orange hue or a yellow hue, and it kind of shrunk. I was like, Jesus isn't coming back and I'm not going to go back and pick up those pamphlets. (laughs) And so the, the point is this. There's like an urgency of that moment. I thought time was urgent. So there was an urgency of that moment that caused me to focus on what really mattered to me. And at that point, what really mattered to me was seeing my mum. And urgency, because of an understanding that time was short, caused me to focus on what really mattered. And, And what I did in order to help me to focus was I shed the weight to enable me to be more nimble to get to where I wanted to get to. And so this is the same or similar attitude that us as Christians have got to adopt. I don't mean the dumping pamphlets bit. Um, We all want a good work ethic, amen. But what we need to do is to cultivate a godly urgency. I don't mean like an urgency of guilt or shame or shoulds or yucky. I'm I'm talking about a godly urgency that will cause us to focus on what really actually matters. And so what we want to understand in this, in this series is understand that time is short, there's an urgency. That we need to understand what really matters. And what really matters is actually not what matters to us, but what matters to God. That is what matters. And then we need to focus. Meaning we might need to dump a few things, cut out a few things in our lives to enable us to be a little bit lighter, a little bit freer, a bit more available to align our lives with what matters most to God. We need to be focused. And so what we're going to do tonight is I want to build a case for why we should be living with urgency. And then I'm going to give us some practical application. One simple thing we can all do and take home so we can live with urgency. Amen. And so, first of all, one reason why we need to live with urgency is time or life is short. And we all said, amen. We all go, oh my goodness, it's Christmas again. The decorations are up. Slow down. 
And then in five seconds, it's going to be Christmas next year. And oh my goodness, I've got some greys in my beard. That's why I keep it shaved. And Moses wrote this psalm, this prayer to God in Psalm 90 verse 12. He said, God, teach us to realize, to comprehend. I can't get him. Teach us to understand, to realize how short our life actually is so that we can grow in wisdom. See, right now, you can quickly upgrade your wisdom levels just by somehow comprehending with God's help how short your life really is because all of a sudden it helps you to cut off the extras and actually become a little bit more focused on what really matters. Realizing how short life is immediately helps us to cut off the inconsequential and focus on the essential in our lives. James chapter 4 verse 14 describes your life like a morning fog. It says, your life is like the morning fog. It's here for a little while, then it's gone. You know when you're driving through an especially thick dog, thick dog, you just can't see your way through it. It's like, man, am I going to find my way through? But then it does. It you can't see beyond this life sometimes. You can't get, but actually then it dissipates and then it's gone. And the fog is gone. You forget all about it. Our life is here and then it's not. And it goes so quick. One, time or life is short. Number two, tomorrow is not guaranteed. See, the beginning of that verse says this, how do you know what your life will be like tomorrow? I mean, 95% of the time it's like, well, the day before. But some people in the world, their life dramatically changes in a moment, in a morning, your family. No doubt there's been moments in your life. Who knows what tomorrow will be like? No one can guarantee the sun's going to come up tomorrow at all, what life will be like. The only thing that's guaranteed is like now, right now. So we have life or time is short. Tomorrow is not guaranteed. You know, God wants us to make the most of today. Often we're like, I'll do it tomorrow. I'll do it tomorrow. I said that to my granddad. Oh, I don't want to do mass today. I'll do it tomorrow. I don't want to do the chore today. I'll do it tomorrow. I'm going to kick the responsibility down the road. I'm going to, oh, I want to take it easy. And he said, he used to annoy me so much. He said, Chapin, tomorrow never comes. Tomorrow. It's like, tomorrow never comes. We've only ever got today. And then number three reason why we should live with urgency is Jesus' return is imminent. And so these two realities come together like bookends, compressing our time. It's like time is short. Jesus' return is imminent and it compresses time together to actually create a godly urgency for us to live in the here and now. And so Jesus' return is imminent. And this is really expressed by Paul in his letter that he wrote to the church in Thessalonica. And we're going to read from chapter 4 to chapter 5, missing a few verses, verse 16 in chapter 4 to verse 11 in chapter 5. In fact, this was the, Bible, this was the reading apparently in, some of you might read word for today. This was the scripture. And so this is the letter from Paul to Thessalonica. He said this, he said, The Lord himself on that day when Jesus returns will come down from the heaven with the commanding shout and the voice of the archangel and with the trumpet call of God. In other words, make no mistake, everyone will know Jesus is returning. And that I love this bit. And he's like, okay, the first thing that's going to happen is the believers who have died are going to raise from their graves. Man, that's cool. 
I want to be near a graveyard when that happens. I'm like, yes, rather than running to my mum's place, I'm going to ride to the nearest graveyard. Moon's red with the biggest nearest graveyard. That's going to be fun, like reverse horror movie deal. And then, together with them, we who are still alive and remain on the earth will be caught up in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. I mean, what would that look like? I don't know, but it's going to be pretty darn awesome. And then we will be with the Lord forever. That is cool. There's all the in-between how and what, where, how you're in the air. Has it been the clouds? Has it been heaven? I don't know. The point is, we're going to be with God forever. I think that's a great ending point. But then Paul kind of backtracks. He's like, all right, just to answer some of your questions. Now, concerning how and when all this will happen to you, brothers and sisters, we don't really need to write to you. We don't really need to fill in all the gaps, right? Because unfortunately, God only reveals what we need to know, not what we want to know. We want to know a whole lot, but we just... What we need to know. So Paul's like, you know what? I'm going to answer all your question with one big answer. He's like, okay, I don't really need to write to you. For you know quite well that the day of the Lord's return will come unexpectedly like a thief in the night. You know that thief's going to come, but you don't know when they're going to come. I don't know what kind of thief Jesus was talking about because I don't know what kind of thief comes that you know is going to come, but you don't know what hour they're going to come. But anyway... Um, like a thief in the night. And so when people were saying everything's peaceful and secure, life's just going to track on just exactly like it has the last few years and it did yesterday and it will tomorrow and it's going to be great and this whole talk of Jesus coming soon thing is kind of eludes me, then all of a sudden disaster will fall on them as suddenly, this is an interesting description, as a pregnant woman's labor pains begin and there will be no escape. <laughs> just Okay, make of that what you may. But then Paul says, but you aren't in the dark about these things, dear brothers and sisters, and you won't be surprised when the day of the Lord comes like a thief. So he says, so be on your guard, not asleep like the others, stay alert and be clear-headed. Have a clear head, not full of all kinds of distracting things. Night is the time when people sleep and drinkers get drunk. But let us who live in the light again be clear-headed. Christ died for us so that whether we're dead or alive, when he returns, we can live with him forever. So encourage each other and build each other up just as you were already doing. So here Paul is not so concerned with the detail of when Jesus will return, but he's more concerned with the readiness, the disposition, the urgency that all believers should be living with. He wants us to be urgent he wants to have us to have urgency and readiness like someone that's ready for a thief to come in the night he's more concerned about that people are living today with the end in mind rather than breaking it down more clearly for them so Jesus could come any moment and Paul's saying don't drift into complacency but live with urgency he's saying be alert be clear-headed don't get drunk. You know, when you're drunk, it's like you're in a false, you're, you're in an alternate sort of reality. Maybe you're, you're, in a, you're escaping reality to get into an alternate sort of mindset. And that can represent a lot of things in life. Even a lot of the good things in life that we have, sometimes we use all kinds of different things to escape from reality, to sort of enter into sort of an alternate world for a while. It can even be things like TV, good things like TV series or sports or achievements or all kinds of great things that can clog up our time and our mind to help us kind of not to face reality, but run from reality. But Jesus is saying here, it's not that these things are bad. He's just going, come on, face reality, be clear-headed, 
Be sober-minded when it comes to Jesus' return. Be ready. Don't be distracted. And Jesus simply said in Matthew 24, 42, So you must keep watch, for you don't know what day your Lord is coming. So, building a case for urgency is knowing that our lives are short, tomorrow isn't guaranteed, and Jesus' return is imminent. And so urgency, what does it mean according to the dictionary? Urgency is something that is important, requiring swift action. It is the quality of being very important and needing attention immediately. No putting it off, no delaying. Cool. So now that we know time is of the essence, we need to focus now on, all right, urgent. This is urgent. Jesus' return is imminent. All right, now, what really matters? What matters most? And that is our next question to consider. Because as Christians, we are not primarily concerned with what matters to me. I'm sorry to burst the bubble, but when we become followers of Jesus, if you are, then we lay down our agenda and we lay our lives down to say, Jesus, I no longer pursue things that I want to pursue me, number one, but I lay that down and now I live my life to pursue the things that are on your heart that are your agenda. As a follower of Jesus, that's what we do. If you're not a follower of Jesus, it's all good. No worries. There's an invitation to lay your life down and follow Him. But if you're a Christian, this is your confession, just to remind us, oh yeah, it's not about me. And we can all forget that and drift into, ah, being so overwhelmed with our own stuff. And so the question is, all right, well, what is most important to God? This is preeminent in our thinking. What is most important to God? Like right now, what is the heart beat of God right now. Well, this is a phrase that I heard someone say, and I love it. He said this, our first concern as Christians, our first concern, everyone say first concern. Our first concern needs to be Jesus' last command. His last words before he rose, before he rose from the dead, before he ascended to be with the Father, he got his disciples around. He said, okay, these are my last words before I go. I am, I'm going to go and prepare a place for you. Make no mistake, I am coming back. But there's something that I need to happen in the meanwhile. While I'm making all this room, while I'm making room in my father's house, I'm making the room, you need to go, you need to go and tell as many people about my love as possible because I want this place to be full. I want this place to be packed. He's got, I want, I've got something for you to focus something of primary importance. This is what I laid my life down for. Every beautiful individual. This is the words of Jesus. He says, so I have been given all authority in heaven and earth, right? In other words, Jesus is saying, there's all kinds of voices in your life that can claim great authority. It might be your boss. It might be the government. It might be our parents. It might be our own minds. It might be the media. It might be the devil. It might be whatever it is, your friends or social media. There's all kinds of competing voices vying for your, for your allegiance. But Jesus wants to cut through all of it and say, come on, I, I'm the Lord of all. I'm the creator. Listen to what I've got. I've got all authority. If you really want to know what matters in this universe, listen to what I've got to say. And he's like, all right, therefore, now we've got that sorted, therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, 
teaching these new disciples to obey all the commands I've given you. And be sure of this, I am with you. I am on mission. If you want to know where I am, if you want to know where the miraculous is, if you want to know where the real adventure is, this is where I live. I live. It's like Jesus stations himself on the gates of hell. Not where it's all nice and fluffy, but right on the, he, he wants to, Reinhard Bonnke says that he wants us to plunder hell and populate heaven. And this is what Jesus' invitation for us is to align our life with him. And he says, be sure I'm with you always, even to the end of the age right now. And so this is God's invitation to us. This is something called the Great Commission, not the Great Omission. And omission is something that's an optional. But Jesus is like, if you're a follower of me, this is not option. This isn't a, if you feel like it, mix it in some sugar. Will you take sugar or won't you take sugar? Maybe, maybe I won't. It's like, if we're a follower, this needs to be our primary, preeminent. What part am I, have I got to play in using my gifts in the beautiful, vast array of the gifts and the talents that we all have as we contribute our little part? We're not perfect, but as we all each contribute my part to playing my role in seeing people reached with the love of God, then this is of preeminent importance for God. And so Paul articulates this in Acts chapter 20, verse 4. Paul actually says, My life is worth nothing to me unless I use it for finishing the work assigned to me by the Lord Jesus, the work of telling others the good news about the wonderful grace of God. You know, Paul, he was like the number one draft pick. He was like, you know, the number one draft pick for eagles that we're all putting our hope in. Thank you, Jesus. We're going to rise up on eagles' wings. We're going to come back one day. Amen. Can I hear it? Amen, Jake. Okay, any eagles found in the house? Come on. Yes, Lord Jesus, come. You know, this, this guy, number one draft pick. All the accolades, amazing. MVP. So Paul was like the number one draft pick. He was the MVP player. He was the Pharisee of Pharisees. He was like the top dog in the Jewish culture. If you were a Pharisee, one of the religious elite leaders, that was Paul. He had everything. But he said, you know what? I don't care about all my trophies and awards. I count that as rubbish. That means nothing to me. All that matters to me is that I live for the audience of one, and that is that I live for what's important to God, not what is important in the eyes of man around me. And that's what God's invitation for us is. And you know, I'm going to share two stories that I've shared many, many times before. I'm sorry if I bore you about it, but it's a part of me. And some of you hadn't heard it before, so the rest of you can just nod and smile and pretend that you've never heard it before. But just something that really impacted my wife and I in regards to reaching people with the love of Jesus was when we were first married, we got pregnant and about 17 weeks into being pregnant, we were really excited about our baby. And at 17 weeks old, we went to the doctors and found out that our baby's heartbeat had stopped and actually our baby had passed away. And so Jess had to deliver a dead baby at hospital. It was unbelievably physically uh, painful, but it was hugely emotionally painful for us. And I know many people have experienced similar and even more intense. But for us, this just created such a vacuum, such an emptiness in us. It was like this empty space where there was a life where there was hope. But in the midst of that grief, of that real, felt, tangible loss, God really spoke to Jess and I and said, this grief that you feel right now, it is but a taste of the grief that God will live with for eternity for every single individual that won't spend eternity with Him. Yes, God feels grief. Yes, God is not willing that even one should be lost 
for eternity. And 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9 makes this really clear. It says this, Peter writes, he says, The Lord really isn't slow about his promise to return, like some people think. We look around the world and go, why won't Jesus come and put things right? And Jesus is like, I will put things right one day. Trust me, I will. But he's like, I want to delay my return. The Lord isn't really slow about his promise to return, as some people think. No, he's been patient for your sake because he is not willing He's not cavalier. He's not just like, oh, it's just a statistic. We lost one amongst a million people. It's okay. We'll round it up or down. He's like every. He's not willing that one should perish, but he wants every one, every one, not every one, not every ten, not every thousand, hundred, every one to repent. Everyone, every single person to come to be with him forever. And it goes in in verse fifteen. Our Lord's patience gives people more time to be saved and so God is not willing that your neighbor should perish oh it's just my neighbor or the person that cut you off in the traffic the other day he loves even them God loves the person at the cafe he loves your family he loves your friends he loves people that you work with he loves people at school he loves he's not willing that one should go to a lost eternity without him in fact the only reason the sun is going to come up this morning according to this picture according to this scripture is that he's given people one more day to come to him. Lamentation says his mercies are new every morning. I'm sorry to say, to burst, I want to burst the bubble of our egos for a second. Well, like, you know, I used to think, you know, joke around a few times that when I was a teenager, I was like, Jesus, please don't come until after the night that I get married. At least, just, just, just wait until then. Lord Jesus, Lord Jesus. Some people are saying, come Jesus, come soon. I'm like, no, Jesus, delay, delay, delay. Amen. But I'm sorry, but Jesus is not going to even return or delay. <laughs> hey, Tyson's like, I'm good to go. All right. Okay. <laughs> you know what? God is not delaying his return so that you and I can get a job promotion, finish your study. All these things matter. Get married. Finish building your house. We're building out Jess and I like 17 and a half years into building a house currently. Or getting a bigger house or achieving your goals or enjoying retirement or going on a holiday. or whatever. All these things are great. They're all gifts to be enjoyed by God. But I'm sorry, Jesus is not delaying his return for those things. He's got a big, a much bigger project going on in the world right now. And, and, and we don't ask God, hey God, can you join my little project? I mean, he cares for you, but he's like, dang it. I'm like... Come along with my project. If, if you want to align your life with like what, what I'm doing, if you want some oomph to your life, if you want some power to your life, if you, want, if you want to see the life come into your veins again and see the miraculous power of God and intimacy with God, this is where it's at. This is where it's at. And 2 Corinthians 6.2 says this. He says, The right time is now. Today is the day of salvation. The right time is now. The right time, I'll just invite the worship team to come back up. The right time is now. The right time to respond to Jesus is now. The right time to give your life to Jesus is now. The right time to, to get real with Jesus and say, Jesus, I want my life to align with what really matters to you. Because as a follower of Jesus, I need to recalibrate. I need to seriously recalibrate. Maybe some of you need to sit down with a pad and paper and pray and, and actually look at the structure of your life and go, God, I need, what do I need to do? Do I need to recalibrate my heart 
the disposition. What am I doing with my finances? What am I doing with my time? What am I giving my strength to? Am I aligning my life with what matters and counts in eternity? And God loves us. He loves what we do, but this is God's invitation to us. And he wants to do this today, not tomorrow, not next week, not next year, because only today is guaranteed. And so what I want to do is end on the practical. Just in the next five minutes, I want to end with the practical. We built a case as to why we should be living with urgency. But now, and we've discovered what's most, what is most important to God. This is what matters to God is your friends coming to know Jesus. I'm like, do you know what, actually? Uh, a guy called Jossie Chaco, he said this. He said, the greatest injustice in the world is that someone would hear the gospel twice before everyone's had a chance to hear it once. And it's like, my goodness, we, you know, we're here Sunday after Sunday. Thank you, Lord, you've given me. Yes, God, oh, yes, you've forgiven me. It's fantastic. It's so good and it is good. While there are hundreds and thousands and tens of thousands of family and people around us who right now have yet made that decision, have not yet either made the decision or actually understand what God has done for them. And they leave them the decision for them. But I'm like, let's be a people that do whatever it takes to see as many people as possible hear about Jesus and give them the opportunity to set through the door. So practically, what can we take home? Well, I'm going to read a scripture from Colossians chapter 4, verse 4 to 6. And Paul writes this to another church in Colossae. And this is chapter 4, verse 4 to 6. He says this. He says, pray that I will proclaim this message of God's love as clearly as I should. I'm like, I want people to get it. I want people to get it. This is the context. So he says, you know what? Live wisely among those who are not believers. Like, we Live wisely. Don't dump your pamphlets. Work hard. Love people, serve people, live wisely. Hey, we still got to speak. Obviously, we've got to let our words match with how we act, but we need to speak, not just act, not just live. Live wisely among those who are not believers and make the most of every opportunity. Can you repeat after me? Make the most of every opportunity. One more time. Make the most of every opportunity. Come on. Let your conversations be gracious and attractive so that you have the right response for everyone. It's like, be ready. Let this be the disposition of your heart simply to make the most of every God-given opportunity. I'm not talking about the weird opportunities that, you, that we sort of awkwardly force. It's like, uh, it's just, uh, what? But I'm talking about obedience to the Holy Spirit, cultivating an attitude where we're like, I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm okay. I'm ready to make the most of every opportunity. Every opportunity to play our part in reconciling people to God. The opportunity to pray for someone. One-on-one conversations. Inviting someone to church. Try it this week. What do you get up to in the weekend? So often we're like, oh, I went to the beach. Hung out with family. How about like, I went to church. And you know what? If it wasn't that great, just deny, lie, 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 lie. So it was amazing. It was incredible. <laughs> it's always good because God's in the room. But it's like, come on, I went to church. Man, it's awesome. There's people there that love being changed. My life's been changed. Let me be ready to tell you about church. And they'll look at you weird. And they won't listen to you. And they'll speak chuff. They might cross you off on their Christmas invitation list to the barbecue. But that's all right because God's sowing a seed. Come on, make the most of every opportunity. Speaking, sharing the gospel, being generous, 
helping, serving those in need, serving in church, growing in your leadership, doing academy. Can I hear an amen and a hallelujah? Showing hospitality, discipling people, never drifting into complacency, but living with urgency. Because get this, urgency leads us to make the most of every opportunity. The enemy to us making the most of every opportunity is to live with complacency. But urgency leads us to make the most of every opportunity. And these are the two stories that I share a lot, but my goodness, it's formed a lot of the bedrock of who I am. A missed opportunity that I took years ago and that I missed years ago and an opportunity that I, that I actually did take hold of. And the missed opportunity was when I went to an Alex Lloyd concert. Anyone remember Alex Lloyd? Put up your hands. Can I see any, any hands, any hands anywhere? Oh, okay, thank you. Yeah, just Google it. You were amazing. Come on. Yeah, yeah, okay. All right. Yeah, yeah. You know that? Okay, there we go. Okay, yeah. And we did amazing things. So I saw her in front row right there, spit on my face. It was awesome. And I stayed the night with a few friends. And I woke up the next morning. We had breakfast together. And there was a, a dude sitting next to me that I'd never met before. And we're having breakfast together. And in that moment, I felt like the Holy Spirit was speaking to me saying, Hey, I love him. I didn't articulate it this clearly in my mind, but looking back, it's like, hey, I love him. Would you reach out to him? Would you love him? Begin a conversation. See where it goes. And I'm just like, uh, I'm either complacent or I'm just a bit ashamed. Or a bit, uh. And you know when there's a window of opportunity and it's there and it's there and it's there and it lingers and then it's closed forever. So I missed the opportunity. I didn't realize. I didn't realize I missed my opportunity. And really, really sadly, tragically, a few days later, I got a phone call from a friend saying that this guy actually committed suicide. He ended his life. And for me, I don't blame myself or take responsibility for his decision. But what I did go, was, oh my goodness. The love of God was looking who is available? Who is available? Who can I rip out of the complacency? Who can I put a bit of urgency in? Who's available to jump through the window of opportunity, to make the most of every opportunity, to tell them about my love for them? And I, and, and I don't know. I don't know what might have happened. But man, since that moment, I've wanted to say to God, I've said to God, again, not, not, not this exact, these exact words, but let me live with the kind of urgency, God, that leads me to make the most of every opportunity. Because what we can do is this, complacency leads us to shelve the opportunity till tomorrow. My goodness, how full are our shelves of opportunities that we shelved to tomorrow? They're like, whoa, there's a whole lot of opportunities in the shelf. And I'm like waiting for a better opportunity to come. But with so many of those shelved opportunities, they don't come around again. I'm like, oh my goodness. There's a lot of opportunities that have been shelved, but urgency leads us to make the most of every opportunity. So in contrast to that, a number of years later, another opportunity to actually, there was someone who was dying, who's very, very, very sick with a liver disease. I, I didn't know him, but I heard about a friend of a friend of a friend and the Holy Spirit through a course of conversation showed me this window of opportunity to go to, to go to his house. I've never met him before and do who knows what. I'm a bit nervous, a bit freaked out, but it turned out, that they were keen for me to visit. And so I rock up to this place, having no idea what I'm going to say, freaked out, just going, oh my goodness, I'm just here, God available. You've got to do something here. And I went there and I had the honor over the course of a conversation to actually lead 
this man through a simple prayer where he, despite the unbelievable pain and heartache he'd been through, despite the evident and obvious life that he'd been living in absolute rebellion as like an enemy to God for his whole entire life, right at the end of it, the love of God, the mercy of God was saying, I have a room for him. And I prepared a place for him. Would you go? And so this is glory to God. I had the honor of leading him through a simple prayer where he said, yes, I give my life to Jesus. I ask Jesus for forgiveness and I give my life to him. And then two days later, he passed away and he went to be with Jesus forever. Can we just thank God for his love, for his mercy, for his grace. He is so good. And so right now, the love of God is looking. He's saying, who's available? Who's available to not shelve the opportunity, to make the most of the God-given opportunities? I'm not saying we need to be all crazy. I'm just saying, all we need to do, and this is the invitation for God. This morning at Oceans, our, our wider family in Albany, here in Perth, this is the invitation from God, simply to make a decision in our heart. Okay, God. All right. Okay. Woo. Okay. I am going to do my best with the Holy Spirit's help to make the most of every God-given opportunity. And so why don't we just all stand to our feet right now. You know, we're not interested in just doing church. We're interested in allowing Jesus to transform us and actually be disciples. You know, we come here. Do you know that the role of a pastor is actually not to do the ministry? It's actually not up to me to do the ministry. The Bible, she says, the role of a pastor is to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. You go out and do the real ministry. This is just like boot camp. This is just like, you know, come on, let's feel good about it. Let's have a feed. We're all good. Let's worship Jesus. Get full of Him so we can go out into your world because I can't go into your world. I can't reach the people that you're reaching. I can't go into your family or your workplaces or your neighbours or your cafes or whatever. That is impossible, but Jesus can. And He's called you and I, empowered by the Holy Spirit, to go into your world and come on, take ground from the enemy with the power of the Holy Spirit. And what God is calling us to do is to say, will you make yourselves once again available for me? And so there's two things that I love us to do. One, there's an invitation for us to maybe dump some pamphlets. (laughs) Maybe some of us here tonight, actually, the Holy Spirit is highlighting certain things in your life that you actually need to dump. I need to cut this out of my life. I need to change this in my life. I need to change my routine. I need to change what I'm doing. I need to change what I'm giving myself to, what I'm giving my affection to. God, even Jesus himself, who never sinned, said, the Father prunes branches in me that I will become even more fruitful. Even Jesus said things that God had to cut off in order to make more room for even Jesus to become more fruitful. How much more true is it for us? We can get so easily clogged up and distracted and fueled up by the empty things of the world that promise so much, but actually can deliver so little. But Jesus is inviting us to the greatest adventure. Can I tell you, there's nothing actually more intoxicating than to be filled with the Holy Spirit and to have a front row seat as to what God is doing through broken people like you and I. You just fall in love with God all over again because you're so aware that it's not about you. You you just know, God, this is about you. Wow, this is about your love moving through someone that just simply says yes to God. And so would we just close our eyes? 
in this moment. Holy Spirit, I thank you that right now even, right now, God, you're beginning to show and to reveal what are the things that we need to let go of? What are the things we need to dump, to let go of, to create more space, more margin in our hearts, in our affection, in our time, in our calendars. I believe that over the course of this week, the Holy Spirit actually, I just see people sitting down with paper. I see people even planning strategically, God, what am I going to do? What am I going to spend the currency of my life on? My wife and I actually in Melbourne in 2013 in Macca's and McDonald's, we sat down at Macca's with a bit of paper and we thought, God, what are we going to spend our lives on strategically? And we made a decision all the way back then. We're going to give our lives right up until we're 90, 100 years old. We want to give our lives to see churches planted, pastors raised, to see as many people saved as possible in the short life that we've got. That was a strategic, it wasn't an emotional decision. It was a decision to align the strength of our life with what matters most to God. For you, it might be different. God has created you a new, new and unique in Christ Jesus. So you can do the good things He's planned for you long ago. And so I see people doing that. What are some of the things you need to dump right now? Actually believe that Jesus wants to break shame off some of you right now. This shame that is holding you back. There's chains of the past that's actually holding you back. You know, Paul, who wrote most of the New Testament, shame threatened to hold him back because he was actually a murderer before he came to know Jesus. And he was always tempted to look back in the rear vision mirror And that's exactly the thing that would keep him from moving forward into everything that God had for him. But actually, even Paul, he had to let go of the past. He said, letting go of the past, I turn and I look forward to the call of Jesus. And so right now, would you make a decision in your heart? I'm letting go of the past. I'm letting go of the past. I'm letting go of offense. I'm letting go of shame. Today, in the name of Jesus, I thank you that your blood covers us, that you wash us clean, Lord. And I prophesy that, Today's the day of salvation. Today's the day that things shift in our lives, God, and you set us free from the things of the past. And right now, I see hands opening, hands opening. They're letting go of things that held that you held onto. I see hands that were full of, of things that they're, they're dropping out. There's chains that have been released right now in Jesus' name, and your hands are free and open to take hold of God to take hold of God in a fresh new way. He's releasing a new fire. He's releasing a new passion. He's releasing a new hunger for Jesus, for His presence, for the call of God in your life, that you would take hold of God, the number one thing for you to chase after. It is the name of Jesus. There is no other name. It is the name of Jesus. He is the one that we live for. He is the one that we worship. He is the one that we love. He is the one that we've given our lives for. He is the one that we die so that He can live through us. We want to see the power of God move in this place. And so right now, would you dump it, dump those things. Holy Spirit, come. He's cutting off chains. He's cutting off things. Let go of relationships. Let go of your reputation. Kill your reputation. Let it go. Paul let go of his trophies, what people thought. Cut off the idea of pleasing man. It is a chain to you. It is a chain, your reputation. What people think of you according to your career or your status, or your finance. Let it go and live for Jesus. So today, what has God called you to dump, to cut off? And right now, what I want to do is lead us in making a decision in our heart. God, I choose to live with the kind of urgency that leads me to make the most of every opportunity. Simply, simply today, practically, God, I walk out of here 
And I want to make myself available. I want an urgency, a God-given urgency to make the most of every opportunity. So would you pray that with me now? Would you just be praying that underneath your breath? Would you agree with me in your heart? Agree with me. You know, you're stepping out into the unknown. You're stepping out of the familiar into faith. This is the place where intimacy with God is cultivated as you need to rely on Him. You need to see Him come through. You need to see Him win some spiritual battles. You need to see Him miraculously provide for you. You need to see Him come through for you as you follow Him. And you're going to develop an intimacy with God that you've been created for more than you've ever had. And so, Father God, tonight we make the decision in our heart. God, we say, yes, would you cultivate an urgency in us, a Spirit-inspired, God-given no condemnation, no guilt, free urgency, the urgency of heaven, the urgency of God that sent, that caused Jesus, that caused Father God to send Jesus into the world to redeem us, God. Would you send us into our worlds? We're fueled with the love of God. We're fueled with the heart, Father, heart of God that says, I'm creating a room for you. There is room for you. There's room for everyone. And we say, yes, God. Yes, Lord. Would you create opportunities for us to step into. And I thank you, Father God, that you don't leave us alone to do this. But on that great day, when you gave the great commission, you said, hey, wait, don't attempt to do this without batteries. He said, wait for the Holy Spirit that will give you the batteries you need to do what I've called you to do. Wait for the power of the Holy Spirit. And so right now, why don't you just lift up your hands, receive afresh from God the power of the Holy Spirit. I thank you that right now, You are moving, Holy Spirit, across this place. Fill every person. Anoint every person with a flame, with a fresh wind. The power of your Holy Spirit, God. Signs and wonders following the preaching of the gospel, Lord God. I thank you, Lord God, that people will lay hands on the sick. They will be healed, Lord. Demons will be cast out. You will speak powerfully. People will be saved. We will see. We are seeing a move of God in this place, God. We're not interested in church. We're interested in a move of God. That the heart of God is here to seek the lost, that they might be found. And look, we realign ourselves with you, with your agenda tonight, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. We love you so much, God. You know, we're going to go and sing a song right now. Then we're going to sing, Turn Your Eyes Upon Jesus. No? Okay, cool. We're going to sing another one. Awesome. Excellent. We're going to sing this one. Hey, as we sing this next song, what I want to do is invite you, some of you, stand up and to look up. Some of you, I don't care whether it's one of us or all of us, come to the front. Say, God, I'm, I'm, li- I'm leaving behind my complacency today. And I'm coming forward and I'm stepping into a God-given, Spirit-led urgency. And as you come out of your seat and come forward, I believe that God's going to move powerfully. He's going to meet you right where you are. So as we sing this song, why don't you come out of your seats and make yourselves freshly available to God today. Thank you for listening to the Oceans Church podcast. For more information, visit oceans.church.